0: Welcome to the Every Woman Podcast. I'm Anna, your host, and every month we'll be bringing you lively discussion and debate with inspiring women making a difference around the world, asking the questions you want the answers to, and doubtless prompting some more in the process. So listen in to hear the stories, insights, and opinions of those setting the pace and being the change. Today we're talking to Jasmine Twitty who five years ago at just 25 years old became the youngest person ever to be appointed a judge in America for the Easley Municipal Court in South Carolina. Now a senior judge at the Travelers Rest Municipal Court, she continues to make history, as well as set the pace and the bar, no pun intended, for young women and women of colour looking to achieve careers in law in America. So welcome, Jasmine.
1: Hello, Anna. Thank you for
0: having me. So, so let's set the scene. How extraordinary is it to be appointed as a judge
1: at twenty five in America and and why now and why you? You know what, honestly, Anna, at first, it was very surreal. like is this moment happening? It was something I had envisioned for quite a few years before I was actually appointed, um, so once I arrived at that moment it was just like a wow moment. Um, is this happening? Um, but to go beyond that, it definitely has a uh, deeper meaning. I believe my appointment is not just um, of reflection or representation of me as a person, but I feel like my appointment is something special for people around the world, boys, girls, women, men, people of all ages, just to show that whatever you set your mind to, whatever barrier needs to be broken in the process, it can absolutely be done. And so I'm grateful just to be able to share that special moment with everyone and lead a movement, if you will. Did you have any idea of the significance of this appointment uh, at
0: the time? I mean, you started originally as a night clerk in the court, didn't you? I did. So when, when did this idea, did you think to yourself early on, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to smash the ceilings here, or was it just a gradual evolution of, of understanding of your own power and, and of your own ambitions and, and achievements?
1: It was definitely the latter. Um, for one, I always knew I was interested in a role in government, like as early as elementary school. And so as I matured, Um, that interest grew. I didn't even know like in college that I wanted to be a judge. I did know that I was still interested in a role in government. And so... Towards the end of my college career, I made the decision to see where my professional work experiences led me after college. And so shortly after, I started working at what was then the only 24-hour court in South Carolina, which is Greenville County Vine Court, which is where I started my professional journey as a night court clerk. And so being in that space, being surrounded by judges, seeing the highs and lows of my community... I realized that was something I could eventually attain the experience and knowledge necessary to become a summary court judge in the state of South Carolina. And so I just worked hard at it. I sought out mentors and I asked questions beyond my job description. Um, I asked to take on special tasks. I even like volunteered to do like the um, warrants for law enforcement officers. And so yeah, I, I consider that to be my classroom in the judicial arena. I made sure I learned the ins and outs. I took advantage of every opportunity that was available. So
0: what was your biggest driver then? Was it was it personal ambition or was it, as you say, the the idea of making a change in your community and of playing a role in that to to shape progress and move it forward?
1: So actually, um, Anna, it was both. First and foremost, my community, Um, given that I was born and raised in Greenville. So I am a Greenville native. I returned there after college to work and live. And so to be able to contribute to a community that poured so much into me at such a young age and be able to make that impact be able to influence others, I felt like that was particularly important. Um, Even before I became a judge, just visiting local schools to talk about my career or to um, assist with literacy programs or serve as a mentor to high school students that were looking to go to college, I realized that there was a need, whether it was in the school or in the legal system. And for me, it was just important to plant my feet somewhere where I felt like I really could make an impact and feel valued and what
0: is it about the law that that you love? I mean wh- why was it the legal profession um, that was the avenue that you chose
1: so going back to like knowing early on I was interested in the role in government, um, for me, um, those that are a part of the legal system, government here in America. I always believe those that are in power, if you will, that they have the influence to shape society as we know it. And I see things that I am fond of and then things that I would like to change. And so I thought, hmm, how can I become a part of that process? And um, so just something I was intentional about making sure again i was knowledgeable of the issues at hand and anytime a law changed i always wanted to know why it changed and how it affected those um it's meant to serve and protect
0: did you find that there was any kind of a barrier to your progression um at intersections of of your age and, and being a woman and being a woman of
1: color and and if so what was your approach to that initially i did anna um because I heard more no's than yeses, obviously. Um, prior- From who? <laughs> who? Who were the no people?
0: Who were the biggest uh, knowers?
1: Right. So prior to um, me starting at Easley Municipal Court, I had actually interviewed at several municipalities. Oftentimes I didn't get a um, call back or even a rejection letter. I just didn't hear um, anything back. And there were some interviews like where I was confident. I'm like, yes, they're going to see me beyond the physical, beyond my age, beyond the obvious. Um, I'm sure about this opportunity. And it didn't happen. Did my confidence waver? Absolutely. But I had to remember that I am worthy. And I knew it wasn't a matter of if, but a matter of when. Just because I believe in being intentional at all times. Um, I am intentional about aligning my actions with the end goal. And I knew without a shadow of doubt, I was doing everything to prepare myself for that moment. So I thought, you know what? Okay, this, I didn't get this job. This opportunity was not uh, afforded to me, but you know what? Perhaps this isn't the right city for me. This isn't the right fit. Um, I want to go where I am accepted, where I can thrive, where I can flourish. So I had to start to see the glass as half full instead of half empty. And so when I had those moments where I felt down because I didn't get the job, didn't get the call back, didn't get um, an acceptance letter, I used that time to hone my craft. I used that time to um, seek more professional development. I also used that time to mentor more. When it comes to community service, I view it as service therapy. And so I feel like anytime I am able to use my gifts to help others, it gives me this sense of confidence and this boost to feel like, you know what, I can do this. I am valued. I can make my mark.
0: So obviously you have exceptional drive and ambition and talent, but as we know that, that you know, sometimes isn't, that's not enough to progress at the rate or, or perhaps in the way that it should naturally allow us, uh, if you're working in a social or, or perhaps business structure that, that retains barriers or bias, whether that's unconscious or not. Um, mm-hmm. What significance do you think that it had that you as the youngest ever judge um, appointed in America was, was both female and black and particularly uh, in somewhere
1: like the Deep South? You know, I think it's one of those things, um, timing is everything. And when I met with the interview board in Easley, South Carolina, I felt like this sense of confidence that I had not had before, even though I was confident before then. As a matter of fact, before the drive over, I literally stood in the mirror and practiced taking the oath of office, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when I got to that interview, it it was like the first time ever where I led the conversation in the interview. uh, And I knew exactly what I was talking about. I had studied their, like the systems that they were using. Um, at the court. And given that um, easily as a smaller court compared to where I was a night clerk, I was able to bring that big town experience and talk about the systems that we use that have been successful, that would be advantageous to that city. And I think they took a liking to that. I think they also took a liking to the fact, okay, this is someone that we can hire and she can hit the ground running. Um, you know, despite her age, she's energetic and she's knowledgeable and I believe I was really able to sell that in that interview, and they wanted to buy in
0: in terms of your community and your court. give me an idea of the the diversity in terms of age and gender and ethnicity what's
1: what's the balance at the moment so um the town where I preside it is a um what you would consider a rural urban town if you will, is definitely growing compared to where it was when I was a child, um, it's actually done a 180, but it is still predominantly white, given the area, um, is which is situated in is in the upstate, Greenville County is I th- I think is about 80% white, so that's to be expected, um, of that town. But what I like about that city is that it is um a true representation of what you would want progress to look like in um, communities as they grow to become more intentional about diversity and inclusion. So, yeah. Um, and as far as the court is concerned, um, it's two female judges. Obviously, I'm one of them. Um, the other is a um, white woman in her late 30s. And our other judge is a male judge in his early 50s.
0: So when you said that the area you live in was a place that was moving forward in terms of diversity and inclusion, what do you see around you that's, that's really
1: positive in your community? Great question, um, Anna. Just the way that people um, interact with each other in terms of like the various programs that the city is intentional about hosting. Obviously, due to COVID, we're not able to host as many community programs, but that has been at the forefront since I've been there, where the um, city has been intentional about planning programs to bring members of the community together. I really do hate that because the town really has that community feel. And so, obviously, with COVID, that's a challenge we're now having to navigate, how do we bring back like that community sense? Not that it's necessarily lacking, but how do we still get to be effective and feel that closeness due to social distancing? So that was refreshing for me to see once I got there, not only out in the community but even within the workplace. What what has
0: been your experience in the legal profession as a woman and and as a woman of color in America?
1: Yeah, that can be. I, I think there's the same challenges there, um, as with anything else. When when it comes to diversity or you know women, so interesting um story. I once had a judge to tell me, like at the age of twenty five, um, he said to me, and I'll never forget. He said, "You have three strikes against you. You can choose to use it to your advantage, or allow people to." Beat you with it. He said, You're young, you're black, and you're a woman. And I thought, Wow, um, I want to use that to my advantage. So anytime I've been in situations where I felt like um, I was doubted or second guessed because of one of those three, I quickly switched over to just presenting the facts and being knowledgeable um, and whatever the subject area um, was that we were talking about. And it's one of those things, whether people like it or not, they can't help but to respect you for being consistent um, and willing to present your viewpoints, regardless if it's different from theirs. Because I could easily just nod and agree and be like, okay, yeah, you're right. Or I could just be like, you know, I respectfully disagree or, hey, have you considered this and here are the facts, you know?
0: You've become, whether by choice or by achievement or a combination of both, um, a, b- a bit of a spokeswoman for so many intersections, you know, young professionals, women in the legal profession, women of colour in the legal profession. And you have that, that groundbreaking identity. But would you rather than when people spoke to you that they focused on, on the job that you're doing um, and normalise that? Or do you think we still need to highlight uh, the unusual? Is it wrong to ignore uh issues of uh of diversity or lack of if we want to make it normal in the end.
1: So I believe it is important. In a perfect world, people would just listen to what it is that I have to say and not challenge me based on the obvious. But you know, because we don't live in a perfect world and oftentimes people want to challenge the obvious, I do think it's important that I use my voice and my platform to speak up in those spaces. Absolutely.
0: How do you feel about being a role model and and all the responsibilities that come with that? I mean, we talked about role models earlier, and I'm really interested to know what
1: role models you had when you were coming through. You know, oftentimes I think people think of big names, but for me, I mean, it was like members of my family. So my grandmother, for example... when I say every milestone I can think of in my life, like she was present for those moments and she instilled in her children the importance of education and service. And in return, my mother instilled that in me and my siblings. And so... As early as I can remember, education and service were at the forefront. So it's so much of who I am. And so that was one of my first role models, my mother included, um, just being a woman of intent. And obviously the woman that was of no nonsense, you know, making sure I stayed on the right track. Like growing up, we didn't even watch TV during the week. It was a treat on the weekends. The focus was school and service. And even when we were sick, um, it, you didn't have any days off. My mom got those school assignments and you did that classwork. <laughs> So, you know, even summer breaks, I just remember thinking like, man, my friends, they get to enjoy summer, no school work, no community service, no nothing. And it was just like, I just want a break. Um but now that I'm older, I understand it and I'm grateful for it. Uh, we my siblings and I we really benefited from that major push and her making the decisions and not allowing us to take the easy route.
0: I love that idea of a woman of intent. I think that's a really powerful way of looking at change, whether you know it's personal or or in a wider context. So, as a woman of intent yourself, what's the message that you're getting across with your role and your platform? What do you hope that you're sharing with the next generation
1: I, I hope what I am sharing is that It is important to remain true to who you are. And being true to who you are will lead you to where you want to be. Um, Don't compromise yourself or your values for the sake of having an opportunity. Um, Particularly, I think like when people, for example, when people see my social media, I think they probably expect to see uh, like a stuffy personality or something that's very formal. Um, but I choose to like show my youth in the fact that, you know, I'm more than just a judge. I am relatable. I am a person. I am a woman at the end of the day. Um, and I too enjoy um, family, traveling, food. And so I think it's important to be uh, relatable. And for me, that's what I want people to see the most. I want people to see me beyond the robe. The robe is my profession. Um, I think what I do, not only when I have the robe on, but when I step away from that bench, I think that's most important um, in me serving as a role model.
0: So what else can we do to get more young women or people of colour feeling that the legal profession is a place for them alongside role models?
1: So here's what I think um, and it's what I do. I I think, you know, I always say I feel like every individual that believes they have extraordinary talents, extraordinary gifts, have an obligation to do more than just go to work and go to home. I think you have to put yourself in spaces where those young people are. A classroom, for example. Um, and so for me, I go into classrooms and I hold mock bond hearings and that allow kids to um, not only get exposure to the judicial process, but to be a part of that experience. And so I think of more people of more professions actually went into schools and, you know, did some kind of scenario that allow the kids to participate it will open kids' minds up to professions or a world they never even thought about, you know. Because um, I believe early exposure is the best exposure. It's good to pique that curiosity um, as soon as possible.
0: Is that when expectations are set? And is that is that you know one of the most fundamental things um, challenging expectations that can allow people to look at their potential in a different way, perhaps?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just imagine. Like, for example, some some children may not know what a podcast is, but like if you or someone from your team visited a classroom and, you know, talk about what you did for a living, they're like, wow, I didn't know that existed. That sounds cool. You mean she gets to interview people and then people can play it back and listen to it on their phones? That sounds cool. I would like to learn more about that. Um, so just something as... You know, as simple as that, I think will have a lasting impact, um, especially for a child that decides to pursue that later on or learn more about it or decide to shadow someone that, you know, journals or interview someone for a living. When you talk to girls or young women, um, coming back to something you said at the beginning about
0: service, is that something you emphasize, the the, the idea that the law can be of service?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because, as, you know, a matter of fact, obviously, I am a judge. But for me, I felt like what I feel like I was created to do, which is to serve, I feel like this role allows me to, like, further serve my community, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I do believe that the law, the legal profession should be viewed as that as a way to help others, absolutely. Um, As a matter of fact, you know, to take it further, when I talk about service, even in this role, um, because I am a servant at heart, I intentionally partner with local organizations that service, you know, people that may not have certain items that they need to live by. And so when they come before the court. Um, I have these brochures readily available. Like, hey, here's a brochure. Whatever need you may have, every resource imaginable here in Greenville County is listed in this brochure. Please consult this. Get the help that you need for yourself and your family. So, yeah, I I think that's important. And for me, I think the courts should be viewed as a way to serve the community as well, not just make a decision um, that affects someone's lives and their families. But what can we do to help them beyond this courtroom, beyond this sentence? So, yeah, absolutely.
0: One of the big things that's happening in America at the moment is obviously the um, the Black Lives Matter protests, which which have received a lot of attention around the world. Um, how have they affected you have they affected you in a personal way and and more generally, do you feel this is a powerful time for change, hopefully positive?
1: So here's what I will say because I have to be careful when I speak to yeah political things of that nature. What I will say is I believe um, this movement, um it's sparking conversation around the world and i would like to see things move beyond the conversation and laws and policies are set to address uh racial inequities and to move closer to justice and equality for all people
0: yes as you say the the conversation is front and center now for change to happen uh which is a, a great thing um But change is obviously something that can happen on a local and a day-to-day level, too, uh, and and something that we can all be a driver for and part of. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the group that you founded to inspire and help young professionals in your area. um, Lead Her, it's called. Tell me a little bit
1: about that and what your goals are there. Yes, absolutely. So it is a group that I co-founded back in 2015. And the mission of Lead Her Greenville is to promote young professional women through professional development and outreach to the Greenville community. And this is professional development for all professions, not just law? Yeah, yeah, all professions, all professions, women ages 21 to 35. When we founded this group, uh, we felt like it was something that was missing in Greenville. And as young women, as ourselves, being so early on in our careers, we felt that having that space where young women can come together, learn, support one another, and learn from mentors, if you will, other industry leaders who we deem to be reputable, why not continue to create this space where we can all come together and accomplish just that. And so, Lead Her emerged from YWCA of Greenville when that organization decided to close its doors. We decided that we needed to move on because, as I shared, it, it was necessary. And so, just a little bit about that backstory. Uh, initially, we were the junior board of directors of the YWCA, and the whole purpose of that group was to groom young women for executive leadership positions. And so that's the foundation of Lead Her. And so Lead Her has been in existence since 2015. This group was uh designed for everyone to move on in a different space. Um, in a different capacity. So while I am a co-founder, technically I am no longer an active member. Um, It's one of those things if a member of the executive leadership team has a question or want to use me as a soundboard, then of course I am available uh, because the goal was never for myself or the young women at that time to stay around. We wanted to have a rolling membership that way more women could come through and be able to learn Grow and achieve.
0: What, whatever stage you're at, in your career, however many barriers you've broken, you can always benefit from the insight and knowledge of someone who's gone before you. Uh, even when you're quite far into a career, I'd imagine. Um, but you've effectively only just started and packed a lot into a short time. So five years on, what have been the major milestones and lessons along the way for you, and and what's next on the ambition list? Okay,
1: so the major milestone. For me, thus far it has been um, since five years ago, I would say having the opportunity to be featured in a reputable textbook here in the U.S. Um, Like imagine growing up and the textbook publisher that you knew to like publish all of the textbooks that you created and to be now be a part of that experience. And especially given I absolutely love going into the classroom, it's therapeutic for me. Um, And so to be a part of a child's education in that special way, you know, I can only be physically present in one place at a time. But now with that feature, I can be present in as many classrooms as possible around the country. Um, So that is a tremendous honor. And, you know, since that particular feature was released, I try to visit as many classrooms as possible that's using that particular text. So not only can the kids read about me, but they can meet me and they can connect with me, you know, put a face um, to the story. So like, what's next? Um, I would like to eventually um, have a role where I'm possibly on television. And so people could see me uh, mainstream. I feel like that would give me a bigger reach um you know to serve what do you do on a daily
0: basis to to make sure that you are bringing your a game that you're following your your path you know are are there things that you have to have in your day and you have to do oh
1: yeah absolutely um I have to have a balanced breakfast for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I I know you hear people say that all the time, but diet and exercise really affects my mood and clarity. Uh, So I have to be very intentional about that. I have to make sure that I have the ability to think given that I'm making difficult decisions that ultimately affects people's lives.
0: You have to think clearly, don't you? It's
1: absolutely in the job
0: description. (laughs) Do you subscribe to the sort of positive thinking mentality or have you got another kind of way that keeps you sharp and focused?
1: You know, life is serious enough. So I do enjoy a good laugh. So I save like memes on my phone. I have friends that will share memes with me um, because it's good to have that balance. You know, there's the serious side of me and then there's the side of me um that enjoys a good laugh but that's interesting isn't it because your job is
0: perhaps as serious as it gets isn't it yeah and having the confidence the authenticity to say this is just one part of who i am and Mm. bring your whole self to work maybe not the memes in the courtroom
1: but you know (laughs) generally, part of bringing my whole self and being present in that moment is making sure that i'm taking care of myself outside of work Um, And so that's where it comes in cultivating, you know, a life that I enjoy outside of work. So it's just traveling, family, friends, you know, I'm a foodie. I live for any experience, whether it's a food experience or travel experience. And, you know, just knowing what people are good for me and what people may not be so much for me
0: do you think that's as part as much a part of success as the sort of the big plaudits the big roles and whatever that success is actually a lot of smaller things and how you combine
1: them and how they make a big thing in the end oh yeah absolutely um so i've seen a, a picture of an iceberg before where under water you know is all the sacrifices that you make like sometimes the sleepless nights the long hours Hearing, you know, the nose, the stress and, you know, the tip of that iceberg is what everyone sees, which is your success. But it's so much that goes into that intentional preparation.
0: So sum up success for you. What does success mean? What does it look like to you? Making an impact while being true to who you are. What's next in terms of the legal profession for you? Is there is there another barrier you can smash uh, to be the youngest
1: to do something else? Um, what
0: would you want to do and where would you want to take it? I mean, would you want to go into
1: politics? Maybe. Um, that's still to be determined, but I I definitely um, could see myself in that arena one day. Absolutely. So what
0: what do you want your legacy to be when all is said and done? I know that's a long, long way from now. but we, Yeah. You
1: know, you know, I want it to be... Uh, about intentionality I just want to be remembered as this is someone who thought she could so she did and as a result I can also do that you know I always say um have a plan we know everything won't always go as well as planned but at least you'll still have something to keep you on track you know well we'll wait and see what comes next (laughs) (laughs) Jasmine Tutu thank you so much for talking to us today thank you for having me